You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw, blitz coming, and get to him. No, he takes off running, and he's he in. It. Touchdown, Miami! With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. Welcome back as we dive in too deep. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Reason, along with Neil Driscoll, and we welcome you guys back in. Neil, we finally have something to smile about, something to be positive about. The Miami Dolphins have hired their new head coach, a personal favorite of mine since this whole cycle started, someone who I wanted as the OC last year, him or Pep Hamilton. Mike McDaniel is now the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins, something to finally smile about. Yeah, baby, it's Mike McDaniel season. Uh, I, I couldn't be more excited. Um, with the dark cloud of everything that was thrown at us the week before, right? Like the 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 Brian Flores situation, the Dolphins organization again getting kind of you know putting themselves out there in an embarrassing fashion. Uh, Got to give them kudos to how they ran this coaching search. They didn't do it at anyone else's pace. They didn't rush because Brian Dable was there. They met with Mike McDaniel. And they had enough intrigue with him to say, you know what? Brian Dable can sign with the Giants. We want to see more of this guy. You know, you have players like Debo Samuel calling the Miami Dolphins a, a, a competitor of theirs and endorsing this guy as their head coach. We've heard the rumors about George Kittle's love for Mike McDaniel. Um, we've seen Sean McVay's quotes. We've seen a league-wide appreciation for the offensive mastermind that is Mike McDaniel. He's a young guy. His video that the Miami Dolphins posted yesterday legitimately gave me goosebumps. Him walking in that office, the appreciation I saw in that guy's eyes, experiencing that with his family, that telephone call with Tua today. I mean, this is just one of the perfect storms that we haven't got to experience much as Dolphin fans. And I couldn't be more excited about this off season now, right? Like we have a month and a little change till free agency. But the cool thing for me reason in all of this is we haven't spent one penny in our, in our, of our cap space and we haven't utilized one draft pick. And I can confidently say today that our offense is going to be night and day heads and shoulders better than it was last year already. And there's a certain quarterback that has been thrown in the crossfires for a long time. And for the first time since his tenure in Miami, everything the Miami Dolphins are doing is for Tua Tungavaloa. I think that's not the sole reason Mike McDaniel was hired, but I think that was a major component of it because he probably sat in that 10-hour meeting and spent five hours telling that front office, this is how I'm going to utilize Tua's strengths in my offense and get him to be that top-tier quarterback he can be. That's what we've needed, man. We need a confident Tua Tungavaloa for this team to go where it goes, and it starts with the leader of this team. And I, I caught one thing on the video reason. I don't know if you caught this, but 
he said, there's coach in my title, and I'm here to coach. There's a lot of good talent here, but it needs coaching. I don't know if that was a direct slap at Brian Flores, but it was really, really true. Um, I feel like it, in the Dolphins, with, under the Flores era, the vets got a lot of love, especially in the on the defensive side of the ball. But the young you know, people were on an island left to figure it out for themselves. We saw huge regression from Austin Jackson from year one to two. Same with Solomon Kidley. I mean, almost the same for any player you want to name on the offense. I, I mean, man, how can we not be excited about this guy? Um, from the McVeigh, LaFleur coaching tree, the Shanahan coaching tree. I, I just think this is the kind of hire in today's NFL you need to make, man. And, and I, I couldn't be more thrilled. I could talk for the next hour about how thrilled I am because I think this is one of those moments that we're going to look back on in a few years and be like, that was the move that changed the fortune of the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's setting up to, you know, I said to someone privately, I'm like, this is setting up like it's going to be a 30 for 30. You know what I mean? In the sense of we were in such a bad place. It was such a disaster. And then someone swoops in and cleans it all up. And, uh, you know, hopefully it can get all cleaned up. And hopefully the ship can get righted and Tua can figure it out. And the great thing about Mike McDaniel is for the first time, I, I trust the regime to properly evaluate Tua Tungvaloa. I finally think we have the offensive mind in place that can let us know the real answer, whether two is the guy or not. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, you look at the offense he's bringing here and, you know, the ties to Tua to the Sarkeesian offense and the Sarkeesian offense was essentially the Shanahan offense. So there's a level of comfortability. You look, he's bringing a totally different vibe and culture. He's a 180 from Brian Flores. I mean, and let's break glass in case of emergency and extinguish some some bullshit that I've seen out there. This is not Adam Gaze. Adam Gaze did have Peyton Manning endorse him. Great. Peyton Manning, when Adam Gaze but got see, a hand- Peyton Manning only endorsed him and saying he helped him prepare. He never once said he made him a better quarterback. He inherited Peyton Manning when Peyton Manning was already a Hall of Famer who accomplished, um, you know, top 10 status of all time. You know, Mike McDaniel has done something a little bit different. You know, we know he's been at every stop of the way with Kyle Shanahan. Hit quarterbacks that are deemed... Yeah, but it's different than that, bro. Hold on, hold on a second. It's different than that. That's what I try to tell people. Do people not realize Mike Shanahan, one of the greatest coaches of all time, put him on? And you know what he said to his son, Neil? Kyle, I want you to be successful. To be successful, take this guy with you everywhere, everywhere you go. For sure. He's the only guy who's followed him. Every single Everywhere. where he goes, and yeah. and and Kyle's father, and I tell people this: you think he doesn't want his son to be successful? You think he's just going to hand off some random to his son and say, "Go let it roll with this guy"? No, no, no. That's because under Mike Shanahan, Mike McDaniel revolutionized the Shanahan offense, and then again last year, his first year as an OC, he revolutionized it again with the inside zone toss run, and and the wrinkle. Yeah, who motions? Trent Williams, you know how much conflict and chaos that could cause for even the most seasoned middle linebacker in the NFL? Like, people do not realize when he does that stuff. You know, coming in this year, we all thought Debo was a great receiver. He's now elevated to potentially top 10 in the league and arguably the most underrated, arguably the most underrated guy in the league at the same time, at the same sense. Like, Mike McDaniel 
you see players elevating around him. And I tell you, is he a leader of men? Well, if he wasn't a leader of men, is that not a cliche at this point? Why did why did George Kittle want to have an addendum in his contract that as long as I'm a 49er, Mike McDaniel can't leave? Well, it, there's a lot of ways to lead, right? Reason like everyone wants this loud vocal guy who raw yeah. raw. You don't. You have know what he does? Like I, I, this is what I told someone yesterday. He's a relatable guy. What he'll do is, you know, someone has their head down, they're feeling bad. You know, four is going to tell you, yo, put your head up, get back in there, right? What this guy's going to do is he's going to sit down, he's going to say, listen, and he's going to explain to them and give them a story that's relatable for the moment that will connect with them, and then they can go back. It's a different. He is more. Here's the thing. This guy is more of a player's coach than Brian Flores is. That's the biggest difference. And he is someone who you look at. This is what I keep telling people. You look at the Patriot way and the Belichick tree. Well, last time I checked, everyone produced off the Belichick tree has A, failed, and B, brought a, brought a lot of ego and a lot of pride wherever they go. When you look at the Shanahan tree, Zach Taylor did not get a head coaching gig until he was under. Sean McVay for one year as a positional coach. Tie-in, Shanahan tree. Both LaFleurs, McVay, Mike McDaniel. Go, bro, look at the, the Super Bowl this year is literally the Shanahan tree. You go look at the NFC and AFC championship appearance appearances, the Super Bowl appearances the Shanahan tree has produced over the past, you know, five, ten years. This, and we might have got the brightest apple from the tree. And And here's the other thing that's great about them. There's no ego and there's no pride with any of these guys that won't let them swallow it. And what I mean by that is look at McVay. McVay, when he got the job, brought Wade Phillips, right? LaFleur, when when LaFleur got the job at Green Bay, I forget who he brought, but I'm pretty sure he brought a veteran coach as well. And now you look at Mark, uh, Mike McDaniel trying to bring a Vic Fangio. All these guys have done the one thing that held Brian Flores back, and they tried to do it from day one. They understand what their strengths and weaknesses and what side of the ball they're strong on. They're all offensive guys. So they go out and they get a veteran season defensive coordinator that has head coaching experience that can take the personnel they have and work with it. And if they get, when the strays start flying, when you're in the trenches, you got someone you can legitimately lean on. That guy was supposed to be Jim Caldwell, who was a Greer pick. Flores walked in. Wanted his own guy, Chad O'Shea. Caldwell ended up going. And this is why all these guys are successful. They come in and they bring someone on the other side of the ball that can be a strength, which is supposed to be their weakness, who is also a galvanizer, who also has head coaching experience, and that's invaluable. And I'm telling you, if this guy gets Vic Fangio and with the hire of Wink Martindale to New York, it's real likely that if he's going to be a DC this year, it's going to be in Miami. If Mike McDaniel hires Vic Fangio, the oh, Mike man. McDaniel hire is a fucking home run from the get go. Because I'm telling you what people do not understand. I know you understand, but what a lot of people don't understand, this is a massive step towards success. Fangio with that personnel, he's the type of guy he can walk into a 3-4-4-3 zone base, man base, don't matter, and he can and look what he did to Justin Simmons. Look what he can do with Javon Holland. Like this guy, oh, he's even when he was a head coach in Denver, Neil, 
Defense was never the problem. What was the problem? He was tied to a bad quarterbacking situation, and that ended up being his downfall. But you look at this guy, my friend. If you bring in Vic Fangio, Mike McDaniel is already setting himself up for more success than Brian Flores had. And I know all these people want to talk about all the wins Flores had, so what I said must be a real scary thought for those people because that's more wins than Brian Flores. And like he said, when he sat down with Miss Torres today with the Miami Dolphins, he said, I want wins and I want a lot of them. Yeah, I, I think we talked about this before we went on air. I mean, there. I think Brian Flores was a great defensive mind. I think he's, he's probably, flag defensive coordinator. He's probably the third in football. If you ask me, Wink Martindale is probably my number one and Vic Fangio is probably my number two. Belichick so, is number one, my friend. Yeah, okay. Well, fair enough. So push everyone down a slot. But I'm just saying, Vic Fangio actually probably provides an upgrade to Brian Flores, which is insane because I think Brian Flores did have the Dolphins' defense, you know, playing good. You know, they weren't elite in terms of stopping, but their sack production and their turnover production and their ability to make splash plays was. But, you know, I, I think that it, we never really got to see it over a whole 16-game season, right? Like, it was very streaky. I think Fangio will bring a consistency to the defense. But, you know, I, I think you hit some good points, man. And, you know, I'm going to get fired up. I'm standing up. I'm not even sitting in my chair at this point because here's why I love this Mike McDaniel hire, right? We saw that Bills-Chiefs game. We saw those high-power offenses, right? And if we're expecting our offense to be there to beat them and try to outduel Allen and Mahomes, that's not what's going to win. The team that I really think was onto something when it came to how to combat those teams was the Baltimore Ravens. They had a run-heavy uh, offense. Outside of Mike McDaniel at San Francisco, they ran the most off motion in, on their offense in the league. And they had a dangerous Russian attack. And it allows you to control the time of possession and take possessions away from those elite quarterbacks. I think Mike McDaniel building that concept. Where did that Ravens offense fall short? In the playoffs when Lamar Jackson got down and was asked to pass the ball more than run the ball. And I'm not saying he's a running quarterback. I'm not insulting. It's not a knock on Lamar Jackson. I just say that. I think to his strengths in the passing in the short and intermediate game with Waddle's ability to throw the lid off of the defense is such a dangerous combination. And, and I'll explain it under his offensive Russian attack, pedestrian running backs, Elijah Mitchell, Raheem Mozart play at pro bowl levels. These aren't guys that you're you're spending first-round picks on or you're paying $10 million a year, $15 million a year. These are guys that go undrafted, guys you draft in the fifth round because the scheme and the diversity that it brings is awesome, right? What I'm really, really excited about is that I think we're going to build a bully, and it's been a long time since we've been able to do that. But I'm, I'm going to name some names that I think will be really good fits for us in free agency. And just imagine this. These four moves, Ryan Jensen, Lakin Tomlinson, Patrick Ricard. So a lot of people don't know who he is. He's the fullback from Baltimore who's a converted defensive tackle. He's got two straight Pro Bowls, all pro last year. He's a complete ass kicker. He caught a couple TDs. He will light the hole up. He is a mean son of a bitch that will light defenders up in the way, right? And then you go in the second round of this year's draft and you get a guy like Daniel Falele. You know, if you build a bully – and you give that type of offense where you're going to go, I'm going left or right. I don't really even care because the left tackle 
Now, a breaking news, Deshaun Watson's not coming to Miami. It's to his team. So you have like Liam Eikenberg and Austin Jackson fight at left tackle, whatever. At left guard, you got Lakin Tomlinson. At center, you got Ryan Jensen. At right guard, you got Robert Hunt. At right tackle, you have Daniel Falele, who I believe is like the next Orlando Brown. And you've built a immense offensive line with power that can hurt at the point of attack and move bodies, right? We're going to need to find a tight end that fits our system a little bit better. I, I don't know what this means for Mike Gesicki. I don't necessarily know that he's going to be part of the plans going forward. I, it, it's when you get a new coach and he's offensive-minded, you probably want to keep one of your top three pass catchers. But we already know Mike Gusecki's limitations, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think you build a running game that's in, impactful, and you're going to get Tua Tungavaloa in a West Coast-style offense that is going to thrive in the passing attack and getting the ball down, field getting in space and letting his receivers create. Like, I'm really excited because I think this really maximizes Tua Tungavaloa. I think it makes us competitive immediately. And I think this is just the route we've needed to go for such a long time. I agree. And, you know, it's funny because he says, I want to coach greatness out of you. And, the whole thing I was saying is if anyone's going to maximize Tua, you know, it's going to be Mike McDaniel in this cycle. I never bought in. You know how I felt about Dable, Neil. I was more in love with his coordinator prospects than I was with Dable. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and it, it, when you sit back and you look at what Tua can become, you kind of get excited. You know why I get excited, Neil? Because I don't know if you heard the same thing. But I heard last year before they made the, the the trade for the draft picks, when the Watson rumors were rumbling, I heard Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers were sniffing around the Tua Tagovailoa situation. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard that, but I heard that. You know, I heard that from someone, but I also had one of my subscribers on my channel also say he heard it on the radio. I mean, look, I, Gil Brandt had a really interesting article this week that he thinks Tua has a sneaky high ceiling considering yeah. everything. And, and, I, think and, and I think he does too because, listen, we're about to go into a horizontal-based op offense. They're going to – look at What do they do with their play action with their outside zone run, right? They set up runs, and then what they'll do, what do they do? They'll bootleg the opposite way, and next thing you know, receiver's wide open, and boom, there's the throw to make. Well – what do you think they're going to do with Tua? Bootlegging is one of his strengths, right? Like the whole misdirect, they set you up the, the flow of the game one way, and then they misdirect you with a bootleg the other way, and it exposes you because you're not expecting it. Like what people don't realize is, you know, his, his mastering of motion, I believe they motioned over 82% of the time. They were number one in the league. The Dolphins motioned 57% of the time, you know, and, you know, I've got one of my um, moderators on Finside the NFL. He's been with me from day one. And, you know, I remember showing him some videos last offseason when I wanted McDaniel. And one of the reasons why I wanted McDaniel as our OC was because I saw the motion. Okay, the Rams and the Ravens were running similar concepts with their motions in terms of they weren't motioning at before the snap, well, they were, but not very much. 
a lot of their motion was coming at the snap. All right. And what they were doing with that is the amount of false keys they were setting up for defenses. You know, they'll show you a look once or twice. Same look. They set up that key and then they come back and they give you that look and they change the motion and the conflict it creates because guys naturally are pinching up, right? They're naturally pinching up because they've seen the keys, right? So now you you just go over the top or you go a total different direction. You've sucked up the linebackers and you got no one to beat. And it's a big play. And that's what the Ravens were starting to master over the last three years. And McVay started to master it over the last two years. And I see, and I know Shanahan's been starting to do it a lot too. And, you know, they did it a lot this year when McDaniel, well, they did it their most when McDaniel was the OC this year. So there's certain things, if you've watched the 49ers to any degree, there's things you can correlate to, okay, that's Shanahan. And then, oh, this changed when McDaniel was the OC this year from what we saw Man. in previous years. You know what I mean? When I watch the 49ers offense, I here's what I really think. I'm always like, honestly, like I look at their roster and I know Debo. How Shorty. are you getting this far, bro? You're right. like, what? that's what I'm thinking. Like, because I love George Kittle. I I, I like yes, George Kittle awesome. as much as any tight end. Debo Samuel's the man. He had a breakout Is year. Is gone, Neil? Uh, you know what? Because I, in a McDaniel system, the run in the running backs, the um, uh, you know. That what might what might get Kenneth Walker in trouble. The running backs, the tight ends, and the receivers have to block, bro. Well, I, I'm going to say something that's not going to be popular with with the Dolphins community, but I think I, he's going to walk, bro. I think I don't necessarily walk. think that Emmanuel Agba at this point is definite to come back. Uh, you know, rumor to be looking for a 15 million dollar year contract, which he's probably deserved, but. You look that that's a steep price to pay for a guy who's had a, a season and a half of really good football. I, you know, but I, I think Mike Kosicki, man, it, it, the way I handle Mike Kosicki, I'm just going to be 100 honest, is I slap one of those restricted tenders on him where I, and I and I lock him with a second round pick. The problem is, bro, he's not going to get labeled as a tight end. Yeah, well, if he doesn't get labeled as a tight end, I'm not touching Mike Kosicki. Dude, I I got told a couple nights ago by someone that. Apparently, like from week fifteen on, he was telling the coaches, "Line me up and only line me up in the slot or the boundary." What? And I know his inline percentage is like hovering around five percent. So, I because the the NFL is when when you like are going for franchise tags or tenders or whatever, the NFL is what designates your position, right? So I think he and you've heard him talk. He's like, "I'm a receiver," so I think he's trying to push himself as a receiver, dude. Well, I think this, though, you, there's two sides to this, Quinn, right? First of all, you want to keep Tua happy. You just got a coach to commit to him. He, he, Mike Kosicki is obviously one of his favorite players, right? So, it's Is he, hard. though? He wasn't dependable over the last eight weeks since primetime. He disappeared, you know what, bro. I think we saw in the offseason that they were blaming the offense and, and underhandedly slapping Flores with that. And, and I, I think off the field that Mike Kosicki has actually been one of Tua's biggest He is one of Tua's biggest supporters. Well, I, I think that they're, they're, that that – you got to look at it that angle, but I also think that like it depends how pricey he gets. We get franchise tag him for what almost twelve million and keep him for one Who, year. Gasecki? yeah, yeah. Well, if bro, if, if he oh, 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 if he's labeled as a receiver, the franchise tag is like eighteen or twenty million, bro. Almost nineteen, yeah. So I mean, like that—that's a huge his designation. No huge. way. No I think way. 
I think he's going to have a hard time getting designated as a receiver. I, I really do. I, but I think if you do that restricted tag, you know, someone could give him an offer. You have the right to match it or you get that compensation, which, and they could tender him as a second round pick. So, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, like the, the, the question becomes to me, would I be willing to lose Mike Kosicki for a second round pick? And I probably would. And, and I know that's not going to be popular just because I, I need somebody. Oh, I'm fine with a second. Are you kidding me? Let's go. And that's what we drafted him. And, and I like Mike Kosicki as a football player. But, like, what I have to realize is that the scheme that we're going to run, we can't, like, we can't have weak links. We can't have one player whose skill set is so diverse from what the system we're trying to run. And I'm telling you right now, reason one of my big predictions headed into next year yeah. is a guy that we all laughed about who was our third-round pick this year, Hunter Long, is going to really become... Oh, he's got a skill set for McDaniel. He's and I'm going to tell you this. Alive. People, it's don't awesome. be surprised if Mike McDaniel... I'm not going to attach this to Eichenberg. Do not be surprised if Mike McDaniel... I've said this on Finside the NFL. I'll say it again. If he tries to get it out of Austin Jackson... I, I think he can. Because and, and Austin I, Jackson has the athletic profile for a zone blocking scheme. Well, look look at left tackle in, in the offense with a left-handed quarterback, right? It, it doesn't Dude, have, it, Yeah, bro. I don't need pro bowl all pro because that's oncoming traffic. My quarterback you can't can save see. any money by cutting him. And yeah. honestly, he looked better at tackle than he did than the he did guard. guard yeah. And I, I think that like I do think He's gonna at least be able to compete now if he starts. I don't know if that that's a well know, that's a when our schmuck offensive line coordinator gets fired, right? Like we're all I, I might be coming to your house reason to celebrate and party. Because I, I just Oh, none of them are done, bro. I mean, what are Godsey and Studentsville doing? I mean, it came out today, my friend, that we are interviewing our first offensive coordinator candidate. Right. I saw right? The Charles Falcons. London, the quarterback gonna... coach from Atlanta, who, again, you know what's crazy about him, bro? A player um, – I, I did a show on Finside the NFL yesterday with Eric Crocker of Locked On 49ers. Oh, yeah. And we were, we were talking about uh, McDaniel. I had Croc on last year during draft time because we shared a lot of similar uh, standing on the re receiver class. Anyways, I had him on, and a name I brought up, and I brought him up again tonight on my show – on Saturday, bro, I, I'm I, like this past Saturday because I, I've got a show coming up on Finside the NFL where I'm going to go over, um, you know, my top ten free agent list, right? Nice. And that's I'll, I want to see that. And you know, on that list on Saturday, when I thought about it, Cordell Patterson made a ton of sense. And you now look at the interview with Charles London, who Cordell Patterson is now a free agent. If you remember, Charles London was with Cordell Patterson in Chicago, and he was one of the main reasons Cordell Patterson came to Atlanta. Yep. And, you know, I still want guys like, you know, I wouldn't mind John Embry. I want Wes Welker on our staff. I Welker. Yeah, I want Wes Welker. Um, their quarterback coach, uh, Scarganello, I believe his name is, right? Is that his name? Rich Scarganello, I believe. Sure. I wouldn't mind him either. I know they got ties, but I know there's another name um that I was told to watch who has uh who has ties with um to Yale with Mike McDaniel. Um and again, I'm pretty sure he's if I remember correctly, he's on the Atlanta staff 
and he's the current assistant offensive line coach, Chandler Henley, because McDaniel and Henley were teammates together at Yale, right? McDaniel played wide receiver at Yale. Yep. So, um, you know, I mean, Henley's look, you- obviously an option. You're just going to listen. You know what the thing is, Neil? I don't care who the offensive coaches are because this guy is a quarterback, run game, and offensive line guru. Like, if you actually watch him teach and you actually look him up and research him, dude, it's not a coincidence Trent William was the best player in the NFL this year under him. It's not a coincidence that the offensive line, the NFC, he's got two jabronis on the right side, and he's still going to the NFC Championship. Okay, it's not a coincidence that the run game gets new wrinkles this year under him, and it becomes one of the deadliest run games, creating conflict and chaos with not a lot of talent, not top-tier talent in terms of guys who would be first or second uh, round picks, right? You know, Trey Sermon was, what, in the third round? He didn't even play much this year. It was mainly right. Elijah Mitchell, fifth round. And then they moved Debo to, you know, you look at the And then he makes Debo the weapon. You know, last year we wouldn't have called Debo a top 10. Mike McDaniel makes him a top 10. And he does it all with Jimmy G. And when Trey Lance is in there, Trey Lance looked awesome for spurts when he was in there. I'm telling you, we got a guy who knows all three levels of the offense Bro, this guy is not going to put an idiot in a place to teach, and he's not going to hire a bad teacher because this guy, the thing that I love about him, he looks like he is an awesome, awesome teacher, and it looks like people are going to enjoy coming to work under Mike McDaniel, and I want people to sit back and think about their real-life job, and if you don't enjoy going to work, you should probably, you know, Before you die, get a new job because, I mean, you're going to be a miserable bastard. You're going to bring it home. But the people, the happiest people in the world, the people who love life the most are the people who love their job and make good money at their job. But the key word is they love their job. And and players are going to love coming to work for this guy, bro. And I'm telling you, the foresight, if you bring in a Vic Fangio and he runs his defense and Mike McDaniels are running an offense, we have a well-oiled machine. And I think we can knock on the playoff door in year one. Oh, I, I think so too, man. I, I like, honestly, I don't really care about the offensive staff much because I, no, I have cause you know, he'll take care of it, bro. Like I do want Wes Welker. Cause I think that would be yes. awesome. For Wouldn't that be Welker. awesome? Like they coming, coming back home. Yeah, And I love Wes Welker. I actually, yeah. you know, I, I was so I, sad when we got rid of him, bro. Me too, man. I had oh. bought his Jersey. Um, I used to call I, him my little, I used to call him my little white boy, bro. I had a girlfriend at the time. She remember he was the only one in that one in fifteen season. He was the only thing I ever got excited about. Remember he had to kick extra points and do the kickoffs yep. to one game, like all that stuff. Dude. Yeah, Westbrook, but I, I just think he's so nuanced as a route runner that he'll really help. Yes, Jalen Waddle with Waddell. some things and Lynn yeah, Bowden yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. some of these younger guys. So I, I think Agreed. he's the guy. I, you know, on the defense side of the ball, I mean, you know, I look. Vic, and you know what's an interesting tie-in, Neil? Remember where we got Salvin Ahmed. Yeah, yeah, he was a Rashid. And and, and, and they did. And I've heard, uh, you know, I got a couple buddies who are 49ers fans, and they were telling me that Shanahan and Mc, Shanahan and McDaniel didn't want to lose Salvin Ahmed. Yeah, I mean, like, it's going to be interesting, man. Like, I, I think, like, we're going to need a running back. Um, and I, I think the name of the game for the offense, I mean, our, our defense, we need a line. We need linebacker. We need a couple. Uh, we it's going to be Jerome Baker. I mean, we have Calvin Munson. Munson Landon probably won't be back. Yeah, I th- I think you got to move on. I-, I would like to sign Duke Riley back to a reasonable contract if he was willing. I thought he did a. Really but I good think job. we got to throw all these names out the window because. Yeah, yeah, he's going to get his own. Like, isn't Dre Greenlaw a free agent? 
Yeah, I, I think we need to. I, I we need two linebackers um, for sure. Do you think Lakeland Tomlinson's a reality now? Yeah, I, I definitely do. Uh, I definitely do. Imagine I, I, if he gets Taron Armstead, Lakeland Tomlinson, and Ryan Jeffs. <laughs> you say that like it couldn't happen, but it really. Oh, I'm serious, bro. It really could happen like that. I, I honestly think that Taron Armstead. Yo, Neil, I wanted to ask you because I know you're a huge uh, Jensen proponent. Like you love the guy. Yep. I, 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 that isn't he perfect. Tell the people, isn't he? Per he's perfect. He runs an outside oh, zone in dude. Tampa. He's literally the perfect fit for what we want to run in our run game. Like I, Neil, if he makes those three signings, he will turn over our offensive line in one year. Yeah. And we need to do what the chiefs did. I mean, and, and honestly, we got to be dangerous at the, but like, so Orlando Brown, um, you know, a lot of people think he's going to get franchise tagged. I I've heard that he's actually close to a, an extension with the chiefs. Yeah. Um, so I think he goes. I, I Taron Armstead's going to have to hit the market. The Saints don't have him. I, I think that. Are you that, worried about injuries with him? I I am a little bit, but like I mean, dude, he's a top five left tackle in football. Yeah, um, yeah. When he's yeah. healthy, yeah. When healthy, he is. So I, I mean, I love him. I I love Brandon Sheriff. I've loved him forever. I, I've always wanted him at left guard. I know we were so close to pulling the trigger on Joe Tooney before he got franchise tagged. Yeah, yeah. I love him. But Ryan Jensen, it's a guy to me. I, I mean, get if I could, because like, look, I looked at the right tackles in free agency. Trent, Brown, you're a hockey fan, right? Yep, of course. What do you start? You start from the back end out, right? When exactly. you build a hockey team, for sure. With an offensive line, what do you start from the middle out, bro? Well, that and that's why I think like so. Like when I was kind of, and I know we were talking about doing a you know a mock off season on, on a yeah. pod in the future. You know, yeah. kind of spill a little of the beans here, like. The way I approach it, to be honest, is that the two guys I'm going to lean in on are Lincoln Tomlinson and Ryan Jensen. Yeah, That's my left sense. guard and yeah. center. Robert Hunt's my right guard. My interior's done. And oh, Austin, you got me excited, Neil. <laughs> Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg are going to battle oh. out at left tackle. I know that, but at right tackle... That's where we're gonna go and get a guy who's gonna be like a Daniel Filet who can play there. Because I'll you know be honest, worried me that Senior Bowl worried me. He was getting put on his guys, ass by guys. Sanders like, was yeah, killed. yeah, yeah. Sanders yeah, was like but, my guy Sanders who was like hundred pounds less than him. Well, then go sign and him. It was go crazy. Sign you him could tell, right? Like the first time he beat him, he just arced him out wide. The second time, <clears throat> you know, he Filet. If you watch his feet, he thought Sanders was gonna arc him. Gave him his chest. Sanders runs right through the chest and puts him on his bottom. Well, they, you know what I mean. Well, give me Bernard Raymond from uh, Central Michigan if you can't. You know, give me. There's guys at right tackle that are going to be there. Like I think that could be a Morgan Moses is a good two year stopgap. And he, yeah. he, he Abraham Lucas, baby. And, and I would little dude. That was the, I was going to say the, the exact words out of my mouth. It's going to be Abraham Let's Lucas. Go. Is a perfect guy. profile for that offense too. Right, so I, I think you could fix this offensive line, but I, I'll say this: I went the like, kind of the quantity over quality approach. Even though I think yeah, Ryan yeah, yeah. is a top three safety in football, Tomlinson had a really good year in San Fran, but like, look, they're, they're like he wasn't great in Detroit. Yeah. I, I do like if we go out and sign Taron Armstead in the first hour of free agency, like, I and we and we pay him twenty million dollars a year. Honestly, I don't really give a shit because then we have a premier left tackle and. If you have him and Robert Hunt, and then like let's just say they plan to keep Austin Jackson at a guard, you have three starters done. I, I honestly think one thing that we haven't discussed that is it's on the table. Brian Flores did not like Solomon Kinley in year one. He's not I a fit though, bro. 
yeah, he's not in his body. He's not fleet of foot. He's too big. You know, like that's that man would have to lose like 40 pounds at least. And his, see, the thing is, even when he was at his slimmest, when he drafted him as a rookie, what was his one weakness? He was either a nightmare or just okay at pulling, right? I know, and, man. You know, I, honestly, I think him, Jesse Davis, those are guys you can mark off your calendar. I'm going to tell you right now, Dieter, I think he's going to have to battle for a guard spot. I don't think they're going to give him the well, – I mean, dude, I don't think he's going to get up. the center spot here, man. I don't know if you look so – I'll say I, I agree with you on Solomon Kinley. I just have the flashbacks to that Thursday night game where we played Jacksonville. And I couldn't believe how good Solomon Kinley was. I, was. I agree. I was sitting there with my cousin on the couch. Dude, I thought he was going to be a pro bowler after the too. first half of the season, bro. And then you know what was even better? They No matter whether they moved him to the left side or the right side, the tackle got better. Whether right. it was Jesse Davis was on our right side, was on our right side that year. Or whether it was Austin, remember Austin Jackson, how much better Austin Jackson's rookie year got in the run game when he was next to Solomon Kinley? Like he For jumped sure. through the roof when it when Solomon was next to him. Yeah, but so it, it's funny how he regressed so much because I honestly thought like Austin Jackson was better than I thought as a rookie, and Solomon Kinley blew my socks off. Yeah. And the fact I thought that he was gonna both, be a pro bowler, bro. I whiffed. The fact that both of them are a question mark at this point is really baffling. Like I like we, we, you know, we've talked about being patient with Tua, and I think we have to have a little bit of level of patience with some of these young linemen. But I still think, despite that, you need to get what, what no matter how you cut it between the draft and free agency, you need to add two not quality, above quality, high end talents, whether that's a first round pick like Tyler Linderbaum. No, bro, you need, you know, you're all right, but here's the thing, my friend. We need two top end veterans. I I, I, I know where you're going. I get it. If you want, if your third edition wants to be a rookie pick, I get it because of the new coach. But we need. We've got so much youth and no veteran infusion on that offensive line. Listen, the same reason, and I'll give you my my reasoning why. Funny enough, that's my name reason, right? <laughs> but okay, listen. So I talked earlier about McDaniel having Fangio to lean on, right? Think about our guys this year, Neil. They have freaking jesse davis to lean on if we can give them two guys he's cut yeah but if we can give our two interior guys a center to lean on and our young tackle whether it's jackson or a kid you draft a veteran tackle on the other side to lean on then then we're going somewhere yeah you know i like your original idea if you if you had my preference i would go an interior player uh, you know, like an, a guard, a center, and a tackle. And then I would let Austin Jackson, Eichenberg, whoever you want to keep on the roster right now, and whoever you want to draft, battle it out for the other two, the other guard and other tackle position. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with that. I mean, I just get some people in there. That's get gonna some be a certainty, my friend. I'll just say this, though. When Tyler Linderbaum, I think he's oh, better he's than Humphrey. Stud. I, I yeah, think he's, he's going to be the best center. And two ninety two. What is he? Two ninety two. He's perfect for our. And you see how they use him in Iowa. He's perfect for our zone. Yeah, this is a year, man. Like, I, there, and another guy I'll say because I, I love Linderbaum. I think I told you this right before we jumped on. I actually think he's the best player at his position wow, by the by the biggest gap. Margin. The number two. Uh, you yeah. know, 
in the in, center in, classes the last two years after you get off to the first couple guys have been freaking weak. Yeah, and I think it's kind of similar this year. Now, another guy that I freaking love, and I absolutely love this guy. I think he has top five guard in football written all over him is Kenyon Green for Texas A&M. Yeah, he's a beast. He can move. He's a big bro. Like, honestly, if you have him as Robert Hunt as your guards, man, oh, my God, sign me up. And, and, like, you know, you always hear these scenarios, and you hear this all the time probably two reason. Like, there's no way that guy falls. Yeah, yeah, and then they fall. There, there's – there's, we're the 29th pick. There's 50 great players, good players in this draft. People fall. Like it No, you know what I saw today? I, it's funny. I saw that today. I was saying to people, uh, uh, some people on Twitter, some people you don't like, and some people <laughs> I don't like. I remember I was looking through old tweets today, and I saw – I was trying to tell people that I'd be shocked if Dylan Moses even went on day two last year. Oh, and there were people that were like, oh, no way. His tape, not this year, but the year before, was NFL linebacker. And the guy ended up being a UDFA. And I said I'd be shocked if he went on day two. How did that work out? You yeah. know, there's people out here that are like that, bro. I remember, dude, I remember the pushback I got. You remember this. Remember I was the one. Hey, as much as I as high as. Okay. As low as I was, as much as people were high on him, with Jamar Chase, the one thing I was on from the get-go, and people kept fighting me, was I kept telling everyone the Bengals are taking Jamar Chase. And everyone kept saying, oh, they're taking Panay Sewell. They got to make sure he's clean, healthy. And I said, guys, did you even watch the injury? It came from the interior. It didn't come from the tackle position. And I said, and they got a Jonah Jackson, who they invested a top 15 pick in, and they just signed Riley Reef. They're not drafting Panay Suell right now, bro. They are targeting Jamar, and no one wanted to believe it. And then draft day comes, oh, they drafted Jamar. I got that one bro. right on my mock. That was I had a bad mock draft this year, but I got that's one of the ones I got right. Well, I got a lot of the receivers right. I got Rashard Bateman on my final mock. I even got Rashad Bateman to, um, uh, and you know how high I was on him, but I I mocked him to Baltimore. Yeah, he 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 was he was a guy that I thought would be a good fit, dude. There. If he didn't get hurt. I think because yeah. you remember how right, yo, do you, yeah, but do you remember he was blowing up training camp before he got hurt? Oh, yeah, you remember that was the first time we were seeing Marlon Humphrey get turned inside out was training camp via Rashad Bateman, and then he got hurt, right? And then he was he was good, but he wasn't. He looked like he was gonna light the league up in training camp, but then again, so did Albert Wilson, and I whiffed on that. Well, you know, we're all right and wrong, man, and there's always two sides. Like you know, somebody hey, it could be worse. That could be someone out here that was telling everyone. Jalen Waddle at six is a bad pick. Yeah. <laughs> or, well, look, sorry, I, my bad, a horrible pick. I apologize. Well, look, and I, I'm telling you one position, like when we get to the end of the first round, not to sleep on, depending on what happens to Agba, is the, the edge position. I mean, there's going to be guys like Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State, who is a awesome player that's kind of under the radar. Um You know, I, I don't know if you watched him. I watched a lot of him when I was watching Jason Owe last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's yep. a guy that I think I, Mel Kuyper had him in the first in his uh, mock. I, I think he could ascend to that spot. Um, he, he's a good player. There's Cameron Thomas out of San Diego State. Um, you know, hard worker, lunch pal type player, great athletic profile. You know, there's going to be edge players that are on the board there. Uh, I, I actually think the position we're in the draft is pretty interesting because there's going to be good players there. Do they do they take a running back to fix their thing? Do one of the wide receivers fall? Do one of the linebackers fall? You know, is 
Trevor Penning somehow there or Bernard Raymond still there or one of the offensive linemen, you know, Linderbaum. It's going to be interesting to see what falls, man. I, I, I say this one thing. Defensive tackles always tend to fall, right? Like those yeah. true nose tackles. If Jordan Davis falls and he is somehow on the board, when he we won't pick, be there at 29, bro. I mean, dude, I'll tell you this. The first I, nose usually goes in at least the top 15. I hear at least the past couple of years, at least Tyler Shelvin coming out of LSU. I thought that guy was the top 20 player in that draft. Yeah. But remember he opted out. Yeah, I know. And because of his size, he opted out in his size. And didn't he show up at the combine? Like in everyone, he was a little like, even though how big he was, he was overweight for his size or whatever. I mean, I remember that being a concern. And so I love Tyler Shelvin. I agree with you, but look at it. If you look at it, like Derek Brown, right? Like, and um, Javon Kinlaw, right? Like, they played their, you know, they didn't opt out and they balled out. You know what I'm saying? And then, well, they obviously couldn't opt, opt out, but they opted out. But I'm just saying my whole thing is, what, you know, he played well this year and he got on a lot of people's maps. I I don't think he's going to get out of the top 15. I agree with you. If he's there at 29, run that crap up there because him and Raekwon on the interior, I want a 4-3. Like, let's go, bro. Right. I want but, I you mean, know? you just can't not take great football players as they fall. That's where yeah, 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 we yeah, love yeah, this because yeah, yeah. we might not be forced. You into can't always do BPA. You got to, you know, like, well, and by that I meant best position, you know, positional need. You got to do BPA in terms of best player available, right? Like yeah, some I, people will go best player at the position of need, whereas you need to go the best player on the board. Well, two players that I heard that the Dolphins were liking a lot at the senior bowl were Trevor Penning, the Northern Iowa offensive yep. tackle. He's a mean dude. Um, I, I, you know, he was standing up and playing against anybody who lined up against him at Senior Bowl. Um, and then another guy that I heard they like a lot and the Steelers like a lot are both uh, Zion Johnson, the uh, interior offensive lineman. He's playing some center. He's playing some center for Boston College. There were two guys that I heard that they liked a lot. I haven't really talked to anyone that was there as much as I usually do the last couple of weeks because I've been slammed. I actually like for me, it's the least I paid attention to the senior bowl. Like, actually, I have- yeah, because of the coaching stuff, I was so enamored with all the coaching stuff that I watched the senior bowl, but I didn't even, I haven't even had a chance to create content on it because it's been so coaching oriented, right? People don't want to hear about the senior bowl right now, Dolphin fans. So, yeah, yeah and I'm with you, man, because I like, I love it. I, I have a DVR. I watched the first quarter, but I never really got to finish the game. But I, you know, I, I want to watch it because I, I like, I, like, you know, we all have our crushes, man. I want to see Daniel Falela. I want to see a guy like we're talking linebackers, man. And everyone knows the guys, the Devin Lloyds and the Kobe Deans of the world. But man, like, I'm here to tell you that there's gonna be talent in the third round, like Brandon Smith from Penn State. Yeah, uh, he's a beast. Chad Muma from uh, Wyoming, Papa. Yep. A guy who's my favorite sleeper. There's two guys at linebacker that are my favorite sleepers in the entire draft, and that's Channon Tindall from Georgia and Damone Clark from LSU. Mm. Those are two dudes that I just have my eyes on if they fall to the third round. Uh, like, you know, because you because you always got to look at it beyond the first round. Like, right? Like, like we were talking about this before. Like, I actually think the Dolphins are in perfect position at pick 29 when a team's looking to move up to get, you know, Desmond Ritter or maybe a Sam Howe, and they say, you know what? We're picking in the top 10 of round two. We'll send you that pick and an additional third round to move up. Like, I would do that in a second if I'm the Dolphins for the right offer. Um, you know, because I, I think that the Dolphins, you know, could could acquire some picks. And 
I, I really think that they have to walk out of the first two rounds with a running back. And I'm talking a bell cow running back. And I'm telling you that I think there's three I love and two I really like. The three I love are the, the trendy names, Isaiah Spiller, Kenneth Walker, Breeze Hall. The two I really like are Kyron Williams from Notre Dame. That's my guy right there. And Zamir White from Georgia. I actually think Zamir White yeah, has a, a lot of Nick Chubb to him. And I, I know that's kind of lazy Yo, Georgia, but I'm gonna tell you right now because my one the one big board that I finalized, because I'm still putting all together my big boards. I, I'm starting to piece everything together right now. And, and yo. Tyler Alligator out of BYU. Oh, BYU, bro. yeah, he's a great player. He's a beast, bro. And my, my sleeper yeah. of the draft is Sincere McCormick. Yeah, no, he's a stud. No stud. Yeah. So stud. yeah, I mean, don't, don't sleep. There's a there's a couple guys that are uh, that are uh, decent. Um, you know, I think perfect a guy who might be perfect for this offense too is. Um, I might have to rearrange because before we did hi, hired Mike McDaniel, but he might move up because of his fit. Rashad White out of Arizona State. Yeah, he's a he, he reminds me a lot of Kenyon Drake. I liked Max Borgie as like a sleeper. Picture him in like this offense. That's yeah, kind you, of interesting. You, you know what I mean? And balls. you can get what? You need a guy who can catch the ball in the backfield. And but but you can get him late too. It's like he would be kind of interesting in this like you know, could he be like our Rex Burkhead? Could he be, you know, could he be our very homeless man's version of Christian McCaffrey back there? Yeah. You know, could he just be like a change of pace guy who can really change the pace for us? Yeah. Do we, here's a question. It. What do you think of Damian Pierce out of Florida? I know we oh, he had really great... high out, out of him out of senior bowl too. Yeah. He had a great week. I was listening to uh, the three yards per carry podcast earlier and I know Simon yeah. Clancy was there. It was talking really highly of him and, and say that he looked really tremendous there. Yeah. And, and I heard the same when I listened to Jeremiah and all the, you know, I had a lot of windshield time this week uh, driving to work meetings. So I, I like listening to the Kuiper podcast and Jeremiah. And, you know, a lot of them say the same thing. And, and that like, you know, I like that redundancy because that means that they're seeing a lot of the, uh, of the same traits pop. Like, you know, the guy who I I've heard two guys that just, elevated their draft stock to the next level. And it was Christian Watson, the North Dakota state receiver. I, I, I heard that he looked just like simply amazing. Well, then another guy, the MVP Perry and Winfrey from Oklahoma. I know he looked really good, but who's I, the first name. Sorry. Say that name before Perry and Winfrey. He's okay, the yeah, deepest okay. tackle from Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that I heard made the most money down there was Jermaine Johnson, the edge from Florida state. Yeah. He was in, what's it called too? Uh, he was in, um, Georgia. Last chance you too, wasn't he? Yeah, he I, I think he was a Georgia transfer to Florida State. Um he practiced amazing. He was in Juco, wasn't he? Uh let me see. I'll pull him up. I, I for some reason I think he was at Georgia. I thought he was on Lance, last chance you. Let me see. I'll tell you right now. I, I just think I heard that he looked awesome in practice. A lot of people were bummed out that he didn't play in the actual game because he like pulled himself, I think, because he had made his money. But, um, you know, you know, hey, look, man, more power to him. Like, you know, like for all of us, we're fans, man. This is this chance, this guy's chance to become a multimillionaire and set his family up for generational wealth. I, I'll yeah. never, I'll never be upset about somebody who, you know, who does what they think's right. Like these bowl games are a lot of fun. Look, it worked for Justin Herbert to make him a lot of money. Um, but you're right. He started at a community college. 
He was on Last Chance U. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember. He him. So he 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 committed to Georgia. Yeah. And then he so damn man, he's had a, he's had quite the path, but he's a guy that made himself a lot of money. Hey, like we both. Yeah, know, I've heard people were raving about him at the Senior Bowl. Oh, raving! We both knew. And I you saw and some of his reps. There's yeah. 29, at least 29, really good players in this draft. Whether you know, I don't know who the the names that will be there, but like there were, like I I think we're just fine where we are. We'll get a good talent, and, and you know, uh, I'm excited about the draft because I know we're gonna have our picks. We're not trading for first round picks for a quarterback anymore. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see because here's what's awesome about this team reason and the Mike McDaniel hire and everything, right? If Tua takes that step and secures spot as QB1, we have two first round picks the following year. And it makes us just so much more dangerous because if Tua hits, right? I think that that draft capital in the following year is enough to make us one of the most dangerous teams in the AFC. Like, I truly think. Well, that's why I don't get people, you know, waking up and they either hate on two and there's people already like waiting to do victory laps for McDaniel's failure. Listen, if McDaniel's successful and two is successful, I don't want to waste a number five overall pick. I don't want to waste, you know, being able to win with a quarterback on a rookie contract. Like, these people are crazy, man. Like, there's people out here already waiting to do victory laps on these on this on McDaniel alone. He hasn't even coached a game yet. It's I, I don't understand how these people call them fans. Like, living in that miserable of a world couldn't be me, man. Like, well, I know this is a right season of team they love. It's weird. Well, I know the offseason is always you know a season of rejuvenated hope for Dolphin fans, but this I don't know what it is, and maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong plenty of times before. Maybe it's different this time, and I got a feeling that it might be. I mean, I, you know, I saw a lot of I, unity in the Mike McDaniel hire. I did. I I, I think I saw more union, but there's always going to be. There's always those guys, though, you know. Oh, well, gals. social media. There's always going to be the people like you know that I, I, there's people that spend their day trying to prove me wrong, and it's great because you know one of the things I've consistently said on this show is, man, I love when I'm wrong sometimes. Like I, I'm a fan yeah. of the football team. I don't want to talk badly about the Miami Dolphins. My goal, I would love if every podcast we do, did was about another win and our eighth Super Bowl trophy. I would love that. That would be my dream. But unfortunately, that's not how it's went. And when criticisms do, I'm not the kind of guy that's just going to see you know unicorns farting rainbows. Like I, I'm going to tell you what I think. And like I think part of the beauty of football and draft and is the ability to disagree with people. And then learn and understand other points. Like, unfortunately, it's become Wild West where, you know, people want to get violent. They want to make memes of you and all that stuff. And, like, honestly, like, if I have people that are spending their time, like, life's short, man. If you're making a meme of Neil Driscoll, like, uh, dude, go get, go to the Target store, go get uh, Monopoly, Connect Four, do something better with your time because, I, like it doesn't hurt my feelings at all. My yeah. life is good. I'm happy with my life. Like what some dude at Twitter uh, who's got 13 burners on Twitter thinks about me does not really hurt my feelings, man. I've I've been called everything in the book, and, and you know it's it's oh it's okay. But like I I like you know one of the things I think you and I have reason have talked about and we focused on is trying to build the community the best way we can. You know none of none, I don't think either of us have said that we've been perfect. And handled everything the right way, I've and never we, said we've attempted to learn from mistakes that we've made. But like we're here to build this community. I, I think one of the things I've noticed this off season is more so than ever. I've really started to interact with some Dolphin fans. 
you know, listen to people's opinions, joining these spaces and having good dialogue. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to pay attention to the negativity. This is a time to be happy, positive, not, not selling false hope here. Like, look, we have no idea what this roster is going to look like, but I think we hired a home run head coach. We have a ton of cap space. March is going to be awesome. We have all of our draft picks, you know, Chris Greer is coming off probably the best Miami Dolphins draft we've seen since the maybe the Marino draft. You know, I mean, like, I don't know if it's going to be that good. We'll see. But it's been pretty damn good in one year on return on an ROI. But, yeah, man, I think you and I are on the same page of what we're trying to do. And, you know, I, I don't have any time for nonsense, man. Like, I'm busy, have two kids, job, you know, a lot going on. And, like, you know, I'm not going to get in Twitter wars anymore. It's, you know, we're here to build this community up. There's a lot of good things to celebrate. It's not perfect, but you know, sometimes hearing other people's opinions, um, you know, hey, like my name's Neil Driscoll. I'm not Adam Schefter. I'm not Ian Rappaport. That's yeah. not who I'm going to be. Just because I put out things I'm I hear or I'm told, doesn't mean I'm trying to be one of those guys. I'm just trying to educate and inform Dolphin fans as much as I can. That's all. Like I'm not right. here to be Adam Schefter. I don't want fluid. their jobs, bro. Like information fluid. I, I'll take their paychecks. Inf- information. Yeah, exactly. Fluid. That's it. Information is very fluid and all these things. Um, there's always information and misinformation. Um, there's not many people that have 100% bad averages in the business of covering sports. But, like, you know, I, I, I just, the thing I don't like is when someone will follow you, interact with you a ton. You're, you, you, you're awful one thing. And the next thing they want to know is, you know, how the hell they can, like, crucify you. You know, it, yeah. it's just not my style. Like, you know, I'm here to have fun. I'm here, you know, I don't think you and I ever, ever pretending to be something we're not. And, you know, hey, I we and on the contrary, we really appreciate those who are very supportive and engage and have good dialogue. Like, that's what this is all about is building a good community. That's when like I, I'll tell you, man, one of the some of the most fun times I've had in my adult life is going to Dolphin Games, flying down, getting a hotel room with the wife and, you know, running into guys that follow me on Twitter and, you know, they want to get beers with me. You know what I mean? And the dolphins are winning and we're freaking at Tua's first start. And I'm tackling guys that I don't even know in the crowd, you know, like, cause we're so fired up when Tua threw his first touchdown past the Devante, right? Like those are some of the most fun times I, I'm excited about going to a draft this year. Uh, no, the New York takeover next year. Like I'm excited to do all those things. And I, and I want to do it with those in the community that, that support and are there to build people up. So I no, sorry for the soapbox. I just, it's one of those things. I know that we get a good amount of listeners to this and, you know, I just, I, I look forward to good days ahead of the dolphins. And for the first time in a long time, I felt pretty united with a lot of dolphin fans this week. Yeah. It was a nice change uh, from the usual toxicity, but they still remain out there, um, man. And, you know, it's just one of those things where we got to let everything play out. What's done is done. And here we go. Um, Neil, anything else you wanted to cover before we get out of here, my friend? Man, don't you wish tomorrow was the first day of free agency? Because I'm telling you, man, it's going to be a long month without it. I like because the Mike McDaniel stuff's awesome, but you want that momentum to keep going, right? And I do think the Dolphins are going to be one of those people that make a splash instantly. And my pick, if I think what the Dolphins are going to do, right? Not what I what I would do, or but I, I support this move. I think the first signing the Dolphins make is going to be Taron Armstead. I believe that. I think they've identified that um, left the offensive line needs it. I think many view him as the one or two offensive linemen available in free agency. They have the cap space. 
I, I think it's either going to be him or a guy like Brandon Sheriff. I think they're going to make a big splash early in free agency, and I think we're all going to be happy and excited about it. And then the last thing I'll say is I do think we're going to be in the trade market for a wide receiver, and, and I was told verbatim to keep an eye on Calvin Ridley in Atlanta that, you know, obviously he's from here, and there's a lot of familiarity with him. And, and it is a kind of interesting that, you know, Miami's looking at a – Falcons quarterback coach. I'm not saying that's a direct correlation, but if there's anything they needed to push him over the top, there's a lot of support for through him, through his relationship with guys like Tua and Jalen Waddle, and through, you know, Mike McDaniel. No, you know, I mean, like these guys, like Mike McDaniel, you know, coached against that guy. He knows he's a good player. Like I'm just saying, I, I think Mike McDaniel is gonna want to take this offense overnight to its sensation. And it, it's easier said than done. But, like, look, if you and I know the limitations of this offense and a guy just did a 10-hour job interview, to prepare for that, man, you have to know what the hell are the limitations of that offense and how you're going to address them. And I, I just think that that's where we're going to make moves. I think I think he came with a vision. He talked to Chris Greer and Stephen Ross, talked about what resources they had available probably to make these things happen. Give me the grocery list. And and the cool thing about Mike McDaniel is he's going to gel and have synergy with, with the ownership in front office, right? Like he's not a dictator like a Brian Flores. Like I, I like, I think the coolest thing he's about a collaborator. Him, yeah. But you know, we all see these awesome, awesome, like, like snippets and we go crazy because the videos are so cool. But like what I really enjoy about him is he is a great communicator and he does it where you feel like he's on your side, right? But he's t he. You're there to learn. Your your brain better be burning and have steam coming to yours. You you should have your thinking cap on. That's the way he approaches it. Like when he says his job's to coach and teach, like he's not just saying that because it's cliche. That's the nature of what he does. All those whiteboard sessions and stuff we've seen, I can guarantee you that. Tua Tungavaloa wasn't exposed to that in the last two years here in Miami. You know, like, and I'm not trying to not take any shots on a guy like Chan Gailey, but, like, he was on the downside of his career, obviously. Like, we have a guy who's in the prime of his career coming in here with a vision. And you know what? For the first time in his 15-year career, he not only does he have input to help shape it, he gets this created all from scratch. And that's just going to be so fun to see. We'll know so much about this team after free agency when we're headed in the draft. Yeah. And that's, what's going to be really fun is to see us probably have three. I would say that we're probably going to resign a Gusecki or an Agba. I think we keep one of them and probably add three high quality starting players before we even get to the draft. Man, it's going to be an exciting time. That's upon us. We're only 35 days away from the first day of free agency. Ooh. I can't wait, man. And then after that, it's only a month and a bit until draft. So we're getting there, man, slowly but surely, man. All right, guys, we will see you back here next week when hopefully the staff starts coming together a little bit more. And we'll talk about things further in depth. And, you know, we'll be getting one more week closer to free agency. So there'll be plenty of to talk about until then. Until we dive back in, fin too deep. We will see y'all next time, and it's fins up, as always. <laughs>